Hi, and welcome to my first ever podcast. I'm not sure how this is going to go, so I hope you enjoy it. Today I'm going to talk about uh, borderline personality disorder. And for those of you who don't know what borderline personality disorder is, it's a mental illness where basically our emotions are at their extremes. We feel everything absolutely down to the core. And it's very hard for people to regulate their emotions because of this. You know, we we basically have emotions that are so extreme that we find it hard to actually even hold down relationships, to maintain relationships, because of of the fact that every tiny little thing that a person does, we calculate it. We try to see exactly what's going on with them. Why did you just do that? Why did that mean something to you? And what does it mean to me? And while we're trying to figure all these things out, we get overwhelmed because if you ask anyone, can you just think of these 10 questions in five seconds, they will get overwhelmed. And because we're thinking of 10 questions in five seconds, we get overwhelmed. And it makes it very difficult for us to actually really just calm ourselves down. And one of the things I found, now I have borderline personality disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and yeah, cool dude stuff. But I've overcome them. I've gotten over them. It took years. And because it took years, I want to try and give give it to people within weeks, you know. Now it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work within weeks you're going to be magically better. If it did, nobody'd be mentally ill. But what I figured out is it does only take weeks to try and turn your life around, to try and make it in a way that your life can improve, but there's key fundamental things that I find you need to do. And I've never really found anyone that does these things, but the things I found are food, exercise, sleep, and reflection. And what I find with this is we overthink everything, which means we need an awful lot more energy, which means our food has to be of a higher quality. We don't always do this. We always go for the food that is processed because it burns energy quicker. And when you have a quick release in processed food, naturally enough, when you're under stress constantly, which our minds are, you're gonna go for the food that gives you the quickest release, which is processed foods. The problem with them is it's very hard to control your mood when you're eating processed food. It's very, very difficult. I've tried this, I've failed at it, I've went on very clean diets where my mood has improved dramatically. I deliberately went back on poor diets and watched my mood and it fell down dramatically. Um, So for myself, 100%, when I eat clean, nuts, seeds, fruit and veg, my moods are absolutely pristine. I can challenge things. Um, When I don't eat clean and I don't eat foods that are designed for us, I find my mood absolutely drops and my coping then is worse. People that are around me, they agitate me that little bit more, which, and again, I've, I've documented all of this myself, looking at, we'll say, you know, my children there, so they would be doing normal things that children do, but then when I eat processed foods, the exact same thing that they do absolutely annoys me to the core. Whereas a week before, when they were just doing these things, it didn't annoy me. The exact same events, because children tend 
not to change it up too much they normally just do the same things over and over again but the same event by eating different foods I had a different response to and that's something I noticed is that we as a people people with borderline personality disorder we have a very low tolerance to processed food I don't know anyone that has borderline personality disorder that can eat processed food and cope well it's something I've never I've never never come across you know so my whole idea was I'm hoping this podcast takes off I love to talk and if it does great if it doesn't I hope it helps one person but the whole idea behind it is I want to get a message across to people that if you change your lifestyle the mental the mental illness can subside that's how it works because it's all about food in my belief food exercise sleep reflection but food is the key ingredient it it's so fundamental for me as uh, when I need to cope it's just absolutely fundamental it's number one. Second thing for me is sleep if I don't get proper sleep my moods are all over the place I just can't cope I'm not able to tolerate anything you know I'm snappy I, I just cannot cope without getting good sleep so food and sleep two things if you can look at them and try and improve them they'll improve your life we don't always like it because some of us like to stay up late. Some of us don't want to go to bed early. But again, you have to actually look at things and say, well, which do you want more? You know, if, if you want to stay up late, the chances of being moody the next day are going to be pretty high. If you want to eat processed foods, the chances of having meltdowns are pretty high. And these are things that sometimes I believe uh, anyone with mental health should look at and go, well, am I doing these things? Is it easy to do them? It's not easy to do them. It makes it sounds simple because there's only four things to do. Food, sleep, exercise, reflection. Four things to change your life. You know, there is no talking to psychologists, there's no talking once a week to a therapist. It's it's four things. But it's a nightmare to try and get to do them. I do talk to people behind the scenes and 98 people out of every hundred won't do it. It's just not they won't do it it's like no too much no way and that's fine that's the way it is the two people that do do it they find huge benefits they love it they think it's fantastic and it's simple and that's what i'm looking for a simple process in maneuvering your emotions that you can manage them so i hope this takes off as i said this is just a short a short short podcast to basically say I hope to start this off i hope it goes well and i want to try and help others help them ease their suffering i know what it's like i know what it's like from my perspective of mental health where i can understand how much a nightmare the mind can be so in saying that i'm gonna leave this as a short introduction and hopefully i'm gonna do one of these every week i'm gonna pick different topics i'm gonna see where my mind goes with it, every week I have to deal with circumstances that come my way. I mean, now that my illnesses are, I won't say gone, but I can't be diagnosed anymore with any of the borderline post-traumatic stress or anxiety, it doesn't mean life now is perfect for me. I still have to 
get up every day I still have everyday challenges and as the world is you wake up every day and there is challenges there every day I mean every day there's something to do there's something that goes wrong and you have to try and problem solve it it's very hard to do that when you have so much more stuff going on inside your head so yeah I'm gonna leave it at this it's a very short introduction but hopefully it all goes well thanks for listening Hi, how are you? And welcome to You, Me and BPD. This week I'm going to chat about the brain and from what I see from my perspective of how the brain can induce, excuse me, mental health. When you're born, you're born with a primal brain. You're born with a brain that basically will help you survive. In other words, babies, in order to survive, will cry. That's a fundamental aspect of them. When they get hungry, it it activates a trigger in their brain and their brain then will activate an automatic response to cry. This will alert the adult to come to them. So basically the part of the brain that's there from day one is developing, constantly developing from day one. And what happens is as the child, as the baby grows into a young child, that brain is still developing. They're practically it's practically an animal brain. It's not a human brain as yet because the brain, even though all the brain is there from when a baby is born, not all of it is developed. And your primal brain, like instincts, food, pleasure, you know, survival, that's there from day one. That part of the brain is constantly developing. Basically what it's doing is it's recording everything that happens around it. It's recording sights, smells, dangers. It's one of the reasons where an adult, when they just can't stand the smell of something, but they don't know why. It's because before they could actually remember, you know, they smelled something or tasted something that they didn't like, and that's recorded in their uh, long-term memory. So when they get older and they smell something, but they just can't put their finger on it, it's that part of the brain that is just remembering that smell and going, I remember this before, I didn't like it, don't go near it. So basically that part of the brain, it's fundamental for absolute survival. It's fundamental for fear. It's, it, it keeps the person alive. The problem is when that part of the brain continually develops and develops, and if it's in a case of trauma, it's constantly remembering trauma and it's constantly then putting that trauma inward into the storage compartment and the person then doesn't get to develop and how this happens is this the back of your brain is called your amygdala well it's not really the back but we say it's the back and your front of your brain is the prefrontal cortex and the back of the brain is basically your food pleasure when you're a teenager sex and then survival. And it's a program, it's been programmed since day one. It's a program to make sure you find food, you find pleasure, because if we didn't get pleasure in food, we wouldn't eat it. We'd simply pass it by. And if we <clears throat> pass by food, when we could have needed it, when we were hunter-gatherers, we would not have survived as a species. So we get pleasure from food, which causes other problems that I will get to in another podcast. Anyway, survival, constantly checking its environment. It's, it's like 
that part of the brain is like Big Brother. It records everything. It doesn't allow you to remember it. The reason it won't allow you to remember everything is because our brains use about 25% of the energy of our body and it uses 25% of the energy of our body by only allowing us to remember certain things. If we could remember everything, absolutely everything that we see, we would require huge amounts of fuel and we're just, we're just not like that as a species. So what the brain does, it's very specific in what it will remember. It'll only remember what it deems to be dangerous, which is why people will always remember negativity more so than joy. It's just part of our survival. It's how we survive. If you were in the field and <clears throat> or in the whatever years and years ago when we were hunter-gatherers and you were eating a lovely strawberry and all of a sudden you've seen a lion or a tiger, you wouldn't say, Do you know what, I'm having such a good time here. Let's just stay here and eat the strawberry. The part of your brain that says this is a negative uh, moment will actually make you run away because negativity has to be at the foremost if we are to survive as a species any species there's no way are you going to stay and enjoy the food when there's a tiger chasing you it's just not going to happen so from that perspective we do have to see things in a negative way it's how our brain survives the problem again is if we have too much negativity there's too much going on there's too much going on so now we'll skip to the front of the brain the front of the brain are your prefrontal cortex the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that makes us human. It gives us our ethics, our values, our morals, our beliefs. It helps us to plan things. We can, I think we're one of the only species on the planet. Now, I know dolphins can plan an attack and wolves can plan an attack, but we can literally do music. We can build architectural things. They can't do this. So I think we are one of the only species on the planet that can consciously plan. I know you have the, I think there's termites over in the desert in America there and they'll, they'll build a, a termite hill that'll face exactly south or north, whatever way it faces. I'm not sure if they're doing it consciously. I think it's just built into them. Whereas we can consciously plan, we can plan ahead. And because of this, we can create things. Now, <clears throat> The part of the brain, the prefrontal part of the brain that is uh, morals, values, ethics and beliefs. That's the part of the brain that makes you human. That's the part of the brain that gives you your morals, your ethics. So as the brain is developing for say a young child, three, four, five, six, seven years of age, basically what's happening is they're still in their primal brain, survival, pleasure. That's why children, if you look at them, they don't really have much morals. You know, they could slap another child easily at the age of two years of age. You have to teach them. And each time you teach them, it gets stored in their prefrontal to show them this is a social skill. This is acceptable and this is not acceptable. You know, so with the prefrontal, it only is activated when the child is calm. Because again, the primal part of the brain, the amygdala, if it senses any form of danger, it will activate. It has to. As I said to you earlier on, there is no way is uh, pleasure going to be overridden by the fact that there's a tiger chasing you. So it has to activate. 
So there's the problem then with uh, I see with mental health is this. When a child is developing and they're in a constant state of fear or trauma, their prefrontal brain, which gives them their morals and values, cannot develop. It just simply cannot develop. And I know with myself, with, I have borderline personality disorder. You know, I'll argue the case again like this, and I said it in, one, in, in a previous podcast. People with borderline personality disorder, they're basically like adult versions of toddlers. You know, we, we have tantrums, just like a toddler does. We can't regulate our emotions, just like a toddler can't. You know, we're happy one minute and sad the next minute, just like a toddler. So for whatever reason in our development, as we looked at the world, probably because we're very hypersensitive as people, that part of the brain just didn't develop. It just simply didn't develop. So when you become an adult, this is where mental health comes into it, because the part of the brain that actually helps you look at a situation, analyze it, planning, and regulating your emotion, it doesn't work. And that's the problem with mental health. People that are able to regulate don't have mental health. People that can't do. And it's just that one thing. It's not just simple as in you get this. But this is the problem with mental health is that when you understand that basically when you were growing up, if you experienced trauma, and I think I read there in one of the books I was uh, listened to, should I say, not read, listened to one of the books, I think two or three cases of trauma is enough for any person to be traumatized for the rest of their life, which I find hilarious, um, because they're going, they're going to get that. It's just, um, you know. So if you continually, if you're in an, in an environment where it's constant, constant trauma, the chances are you're not going to develop. Now, is that an excuse not to try and overcome your illness? I don't think so. And these are my opinions. I'm not saying these are facts. These are my opinions. Just because you had trauma, it doesn't mean you're stuck. Yes, it means you can cope. That's what it means. It means you don't have the tools in order to actually overcome a situation when you, when you experience it. You don't have them tools. But that doesn't mean you can't learn them. It doesn't mean that you can't somehow sit down and say to yourself, right, basically, my, there's a part of my brain that hasn't developed. There's, that's the basic fundamentals of it. But then how do I develop it? Well, the, simple, the simplest way of saying how do you develop a brain is this. Let your life roll. Just let it happen. I always say this to people. Let your, let your life roll. Let your life happen. Don't try and stop the trauma. What you do is when you get the trauma or bad experience or negative experience, when you finally settle down with your emotions, then look at it again. Look at it, rerun it again like you're watching a film. But this time ask yourself, where could I do it differently? I allow my life to happen. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. Thankfully more days, these days I'm getting it more right than years ago. But I don't always get it right. I'm still not getting it always right. And that's fine. Nobody does. But I will sit down afterwards and say, right, this is what happened. This is how you felt. This is what you did. And that's what you did. Now, that's exactly me remembering what happened, what I did, and how I felt. Your primal brain, again, will bring up all that for you because that's what it does. It loves to remember trauma. It loves that. 
that's what it's designed to do. And you chat to anyone, they can always remember their trauma. They didn't have trauma every minute of every day of their life, but if you ask them, they can't seem to remember the good bits. But they can remember the trauma. Then you sit down and I'll say, right, that's exactly what happened. These are my morals. What morals have you got? Who are you as a person? Well, I don't like telling lies as a person, so one of my morals would have to be truth. I, do I tell lies? Of course I do. I have three children. If you can't lie to children, you're a ghost. You know, you have to be able to tell them a little lie here and there. Anyway, that's probably another podcast. But I look at it from the perspective of going, right, this is what happened. This is what happened. What can I do differently? Maybe I overreacted. Maybe, maybe I overreacted with one of the kids. I'll look at that again. I'll see how I felt. I'll see exactly what happened. I'll look at the situation just before I react it. And then I'll say to myself, right, well, then the next time, try and do it differently in a sense of don't, once you feel that little bit of anger in your stomach, remove yourself. Go outside. Go outside for a second. Go upstairs. Go into a toilet. Classic place for a parent. Absolute classic. Gives you a couple of seconds to reset yourself. Go to the toilet. Reset yourself. Come back out. Try not to get drawn into the drama of children because, as I've just said, they don't have any prefrontal cortex. <laughs> they're not exactly, you know, they're more leaning towards the animal side of the world than the human side of the world, which is just nature working its course. So that's what I would do. I'd lean towards the side of the world and go, right, reset here, just go into the toilet. Gather your thoughts and say, right, that's what I did the last time. This time I'm just going to go in here, reset, come back out and see if you can do it differently. Does it magically work two times? No, it doesn't. And if you get it right, bingo, that's fantastic. Generally with kids, that only works for about a day anyway. So that's, you know, you have to constantly relearn and re-educate yourself with kids. They don't think, they, they cop on to your, they cop on, they cop on. They're like, uh, I don't know, they're geniuses of figuring you out because they've nothing else to do. And they just cop on going, oh, well, he was okay there, but let's try something different. And that's it as well. But once you continually try something different, that's what I find with mental health. It's not the same, 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 same. It's not putting your hand into a fire and going, oh, it burnt. Putting your hand in, oh, it burnt. Eventually you have to do something different or it never changes. I've changed my whole routine with mental health. I've changed my whole aspect with mental health. I'm still continuing to change. You know, I'm still trying to see, can I just get that little bit better all the time? I enjoy it, it's something I enjoy doing, then I come on here and waffle away to you and hopefully you'll pick up something from it. Brilliant. But with the brain, the fundamental part of the brain, in order for mental health to subside, I know there's no cure for borderline personality disorder, but I'm managing it. And that's good enough for me. I don't need to be cured because I don't think there's something actually wrong with me. I just have a different way of thinking. A horse thinks different than a zebra. I think in black and white. A horse likes a little bit of shades of different colors. So with the brain, in order for the brain to actually settle down, remember your environment has to be calm. If you don't have a calm environment, you will not be able to teach your prefrontal cortex how to respond and plan, which is its fundamental aspect, to plan the next event. The only reason I'm able to calm down 
is I have looked at a previous explosion and tried something different. It's not that I'm uh, better, it's that I planned that it would happen again. I foresaw, I foreseen that it would happen again. The kids say arguing or whatever kids do or whatever. I foreseen that that would happen again and I tried a different response. That's planning. But I could only do that when I'm calm. You cannot, you cannot uh, try to overcome your illness when you're in the midst of trauma or in the midst of chaos. That's not when you're going to overcome it. You overcome your trauma in a calm environment when you actually can reread the whole script again and see can you change the script. Because that's what life is about. Looking at the script and seeing can you change it. And you won't get it right every time. I don't get it right every time. Nobody gets it right every time. But if you just keep trying at it, keep trying, eventually you will overcome it and you will get better at it. You know, and that's one thing that you'll have to understand is that it doesn't just stop. Just try, get up every day, try, fail. Generally, it's fail, 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 win, fail, 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 maybe. And sometimes you get the wins. I definitely know with me, I failed more times, I probably failed to the power of a hundred to one, definitely. A hundred percent with me, it's, I have failed a hundred times for my one success. And I'm delighted for my one success because it took a few years, but I'm getting better and better. At least I'm still not the same as I was 10 years ago. And that's important to me. Another thing, as I said, I'm gonna try and keep these short and sweet is uh, I'm trying a whole month off social media. So um, for any that do listen to the podcast and maybe comment on this or whatever, I won't be commenting back because I'm going to, for the month of August, I'm going to give up social media. It's something, I love challenging my brain. I love when I get to a certain level of my brain and just seeing am I at the summit, I like to tear it all apart and say, well, do you want to try this? And, you know, social media is a big deal and you like to be on it and you, you spend a bit of time on it and whatnot. So I was just wondering, well, what would it be like not to have social media? What would it be like to just not be on it? Literally not go on it. Don't go on Messenger. Don't go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And just give it up for a month. Literally one month. So I'm going to, for the month of August, give up social media. I'm going to reflect on how I feel as a person when I give up social media. How, how does it impact on me? You know, do I need people to like my page? Do I, or is it just a fact that... I actually do want to help. This is a question that's puzzling me at the moment and I like to ask myself questions. Why are you helping? Are you helping because you enjoy it or are you helping because you enjoy the praise? So in order to figure this out, I need to go away and go, well, what happens then if you're not doing anything, if you're not interacting or you're not trying to input your comments to people in the sense of you're looking for a response? So I'm trying to figure out myself even further to see Am I a little bit narcissistic or is it genuine? <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's hope I'm not narcissistic, even though they're not the worst bunch. <laughs> um, so yeah, I want to see exactly where am I again. And this is another thing that I enjoy doing is re-challenge yourself. You know, if, if something is your Facebook uh, would be, I would comment on it most days. Now, I'm still going to post on Facebook um, because if I'm researching something like this morning, I was looking up... Um, 
Oh, alpha lymphic acid because I have um, a swelling in my hand. My hand is injured at the moment and I'm trying to reduce the swelling. So, yes, I'm still going to look up stuff, research stuff. And if I find something that might be of benefit to someone else, I'm going to post it. I just won't know if someone's liking it or not. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly, well, where do I stand in all of this? Where am I in it? And that's something as well. And if I enjoy the whole month off, I'll see what happens then, you know. But I'm going to record that as well. I'm going to record and see how do I feel. How do I feel with not being on social media, looking for them likes, not getting that little adrenaline rush when you get that little icon up in the corner, you know. I want to see where I am at that. And in order to do that, you have to remove yourself. And that's the thing about mental health as well, I find with myself, is challenge yourself. When you get comfortable and you're sitting and you're, you're sitting on top of this comfortableness where you're going, I deserve this, I worked hard, absolutely take it away. Take it away, unlearn it. I'm a big believer in when you're committed to learning, make sure that you unlearn it and try something different because how will you know? You know, how will you know unless you undo it once you've achieved? And I believe I'm at a certain stage of my life where I've achieved in mind anyway, that I'm very, very strong in my mind now that I want to unlearn and say, well, where are my dependencies now? Do I depend on social media? Do I depend on Facebook and that little like up in the corner? Do I depend on that or do I not? You know, so anyway, that's all I'm going to say for this week. Um, what will we talk about next week? I'm always going to say what we'll talk about next week because I'm just going to do this as if I'm chatting on the phone to someone like I normally do. So that way then next week I'm just going to go straight into it. Um, next week, food, I suppose. Food would be next. I'm going to chat about food. Um, my impact with food, I've completely changed my diet. Um, I went from omnivore to vegetarian and through the injury in my hand now I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards vegan not because I love all the animals and I want to hug the planet it's because it's healthier for me that's all um, so next week I'm going to chat about food thanks for listening